Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Journal podcast. I am joined once again by my friend Carter from Trade Talks, here to talk about the second round. Carter, how are you doing, man? I'm good, bro. Honestly, the playoffs are looking pretty good. We got three two twos, so should be. I mean, not anymore. I guess the Suns just killed the Mavs last night, so should be a good end of the round two, good round three, and a good final. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, I think it's been a pretty good second round so far. Not like not a lot of ton of like close games, but the series like at large, I think have been you know pretty competitive. You know back and forth. So let's start talking about uh, Suns Mavericks. Obviously, like you said, Suns take game five last night. Um, it was a close game, like in the first half, you know, it was yeah, back and forth. Mavs got off to a good start. But then in that that third quarter, I think the Suns outscored the Mavs like 33 to 14, end up winning by 30, taking game five. Um, I want to start off by talking about the Mavericks and just like the lack of creation that they have outside of Luka, um, because I think that that's like the biggest storyline uh, for me personally in this series, because obviously, you know, Luca, you know, surpassing MJ for highest career, like playoff points per game, like he's been absolutely balling out, but it's just not enough because, you know, you look at like Brunson, I think has played fine. You know, he, he's not like yeah. performing poorly, um, but just not having the same impact that he had in the jazz series, you know, because like that son's defense is, you know, miles better than the jazz defense. And he's just not having the same impact. Dinwiddie, I mean, he's been like a ghost all series. He hasn't had yeah. much of an impact. So the Mavs just clearly lacking like a, a lot of creation. Like you saw like in the second half of game five, essentially the Suns were just like, Luca, get get whatever buckets you want. Brunson, get whatever you want. No one else could do anything. Like I think Brunson and, and Luca combined for like what, five assists last night? And no one else really did anything. Yeah, that was five assists. It's just like there's so many turnovers happening too uh, from the mm-hmm. others. Too. I mean, it's just like, like like Nick's uh, Lakers supply was saying the other day, they they play such a centralized game through Luka Doncic, right? Like his like his usage percentage is forty two percent this series, which is like yes, like that's good and like the way his offense is gonna like his offense hasn't been the problem, but like when you mm-hmm. use the ball, when you have the ball in your hands for that much long and they're picking you apart on defense too, you're gonna get gas. Like yesterday after the first quarter, they're up by what six seven points. Luka's got twelve points, I think, and like right. he's playing well. The whole team looks well, and then after, but it's just not sustainable for a. A long time. I feel like the home games have been the only times where they, they've been able to be sustainable because of the crowd and stuff like that too. And the other role players are playing well, like Dinwiddie's playing well, DFS, Bolock. You go into Phoenix and they just they look outclassed. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's clear like there's a discrepancy um, between like the way they played in those two games in Dallas versus you know the other three games in Phoenix. Um, and like you said, yeah, like it, it's great that you know what Luke has been able to do with the ball in his hands, but it's not sustainable over the course of a full game, the course of a full seven game series. Um, it's something I've talked about recently, like these high usage, like heliocentric offenses, you know, when you have such a talented player, like it can take you to certain points, but it, you know, it's it, like, just, we've never seen it in NBA history that it can take you all the way. Like Allen Iverson going to the one finals is like the only example we have of like such a high usage player, like making a deep playoff run. So I think it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, the Mavs need like a, a second dude, you know, like I, I think Brunson's really good um, and they should probably resign him depending on what his market value is, which I'll kind of want to get to later. Um, but I, I think they need someone else. Like, I, I don't think Brunson is that dude to be the second option. Like, I don't know if it's a Bradley, I don't know if it's a Bradley Bill, but someone to just take the load off. Like, right. You know, right. Yes. Just someone that can, for one, like when Luca's off the floor can, you know, keep the offense afloat, but also, when Luca is on the floor, just not make it so that he has to initiate everything, like get to a point where 
like he can be running a little bit off ball or even like just not like taking a possession off, but just not having to be like the engine of on every single play. And the whole offense just seems like even when like Luke is not on the court, it just seems to be like the, the same thing almost all the time. That's why it was kind of nice. Like when he wasn't on the court, not to say this is Lucas fault by any means. It's just like how dominant of a player he is right. that he needs the ball in his hands. But those first three games, like yes, they're pl- playing like similar to how they usually with like uh, Brunson and Dinwiddie, but like they were also like their point of attack was a little bit different. Like you were seeing like Reggie Bullock pull up from three in transition. Like he was like a little, those guys were just like more confident in general though. Their offense is just like, it isn't versatile at all. It's just the same. It's the right. same thing. One guy come like one or two guys are gonna have the ball in their hand, either Luca or Brunson didn't what he kind of is, but he's not, he's nowhere near the one player he once was, or like, he's mm-hmm. just not playing all right now. And he's been put into a role where he has to play off the ball too. And I mean, like he's shooting 35% from three this series, which is like, pretty decent but he's shooting 28 percent like inside or 28 percent in general so he's shooting probably like 15 percent from inside the arc which is just right. incredible your bigs like dwight powell like you can get uh down with the front court defensively but like it, the, their offense isn't that good like it's not like you have vukovic like out there at center with like luca where you can have a guy that can take the load off of us mm-hmm. just like beat it down in the post for, for the next five minutes and just like take the load like it's always luca luca's passing the three-point line luca's taking the shot like I'm surprised how, like, I knew Luca was a good scorer and stuff like that, but I'm just surprised, like, in the playoffs, how much of a good scorer he can be. And then after, he's also got to do the playmaking, and then he's also got to do – and then he's getting picked apart on defense. Like, I don't blame him for necessarily getting attacked on defense just because mm-hmm. I know how much the, the usage – like, 42% usage is crazy. And then also, like, I've never seen the defensive usage against um, – what was it, game two? Like, when they picked him apart – yeah, it was like, yeah, those stats kept coming out about, you know, points for possession going after him and pick and roll. But yeah, I think you made a great point about, you know, those first three games against the Jazz that the Mavericks played when Luka wasn't there. Like their offense had a lot more creativity. Like there was a lot, a lot more variety going on in their offense. And it's just weird because, you know, like in those games, like we saw more of like, you know, just just more variety in their offense. But um, like it, it's just so clear that outside of Brunson, no one like Luca has to create offense for everybody. You know what I mean? Like none of those guys can go off the dribble against any no, like decent I, defender. Dinwiddie, but like I don't trust that at all. Like yeah, no, yeah, Dinwiddie. Who is there? You expect DFS or Reggie Bullock to go create a shot? Exactly. Or? Yeah, they got no one. They got no one that can take anyone off the dribble outside of Brunson and Luca. Because the way Dinwiddie's playing right now, he's not getting it done. Um, yeah. Your Hooper, Trey Burke in there, eh? <laughs> is he still on the roster? Actually, I actually, yeah, he is. He is? I haven't I haven't seen him suit. I don't even know if he suited up for him this year. I feel like I haven't seen him all season. But hey, maybe maybe uh, throw him in there, get him. Uh... Change something though. I don't know. I still think it's gonna go seven games. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think yeah. Going back to Dallas, um, I mean, you saw the urgency that they had down 0-2, the way they played in Game Three. Like they came out and like right from the jump had that game. So yeah, I think it 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 looks like it's going seven, just the way the first five games have gone. But um, I mean, I don't know this is a good transition into Chris Paul because I want to talk about him. If he can play like at the level that we know he's capable of, then I think the Suns probably take game six, but he's, he's looked straight up just bad. Like not even like, Oh, he's kind of struggling. Like Chris Paul has been bad the last few games. Like he was fine game five, but just the game three and game four were maybe two of the worst games I've ever seen Chris Paul play. Like he was disgusting. And it was a game three, game four. He had seven turnovers in the first quarter. I think it was game three. I I mean, it was just atrocious. I don't even like, and I don't even understand what it is because he was so good in the Pelican series too that like I can't even figure out why it is that he seems to be struggling so hard. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, it seems like 
for me, it seems to be his aggression. Like that's what I would like pinpoint. Like if you were to look at the basic box score stats and like haven't watched the series at all, you'd be like, oh wow, 14, 5, and 7 on like 56, 47. Like mm. I'll take that all day long. But like if you were to watch the last three games, I mean last night he wasn't bad, but like games three and four in Dallas, it just like I don't know, like his assist numbers were low. I don't know if it was because like he's getting used to like book being back, but like he also looked good in the first two games. So I don't understand that. Like he's shooting the ball well, but he just like defensively made some poor fouls. I know there Mm -hmm. were some softs in there, but just boneheaded decisions that you don't see from the point guard at all. And I mean, I guess if you're a Suns fan, you got to be excited that you're still up three, two in this situation and how he's played. And I know people are like, Oh, he's shooting 56 and 47 and a thousand, but like defensively IQ, like he just does, he hasn't seemed like Chris Paul and like, he hasn't had that like fourth quarter takeover right. since or like game two. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, the defense hasn't been great. And yeah, some of the decision-making, especially for someone like Chris Paul has just been mm-hmm. really confusing. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, I, only, I, a steal a game I too. only a steal a game. And I mean, like he doesn't usually average more than like, he's got 3.3 turnovers a game, which is like, yeah, it's pretty high. For Chris Paul. But he only has six point. He only has six assists, which is like, if that's not like, yeah, two to one's uh, assist to turnover ratio is okay. But like, Chris yeah, for Chris Paul. Paul. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I got faith in him. I think he's going to come back game six, play pretty well. Um, but I think as, as long as the Mavericks role players play well, like if they shoot the three ball well, then I, I see them probably forcing a game seven. That's probably what it comes down to for me. Yeah. I think seven. yeah. All right. I want to I move through these pretty quickly. I don't want to spend too long on any of these. So uh, we can transition out of Celtics Bucks. Talk about my man, prime MJ himself, Al Horford. Al Oh my God, Al Horford, man! I, I don't even know what to, like. I don't even know what to say about this man. Like the way he's played the last few, really. I mean, all playoffs long, really. When you look at like the way he performed in the net series, but the last two games, dude, have been career performances from my man Al Horford. It's been just so fun to watch, man. This is just unbelievable. Like Tatum has struggled. He had thirty points in Game Four, but he really struggled in Game Three. Al Horford carried. He's legitimately been like the best player. I mean, not better than Giannis, but like the best Celtics player in this series, like with how consistent he's been, how bad Tatum was in game three. Like, I can't say enough good things about Al Horford, dude. Like he's making every shot. He's playing incredible defense. He's moving the ball well. Like it's, I can't, man. He's, he's ridiculous. Honestly, this is going to, this might sound, I think he's the best player. I think he's the best player in the series. Like I, I I saw a stat of the way he, uh, like his, uh, his stats against Giannis or Giannis's stats, uh, when guarded yeah, by Al Horford. Yeah, yeah, when guarded by Al Horford. And he was just like, he's doing everything. You can't ask for more from Al. Like, yeah. like he's had a 17% usage rate. And he's like, he's literally doing everything out there. Like, he's not a type of guy where it's like, oh, give me the rock and I'm going to move out of the way or move right. away from the 40 possessions. Like, he is literally doing everything he can as like a really good glue guy. And like, he, like, he's ruining the Bucks defense because the Bucks like to play like that help side defense with the honest and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Al is just... He's picking them apart, whether it's a, a nice pass inside, the three-point shot, that little post hook, that little mid-range outside of the, uh, the elbow. like Drive-by dunk on Giannis. The de- yeah. <laughs> that was insane. The defense, like – and I don't even think, like, neither team have, have played their best basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's, like – I guess that's, that's encouraging for both sides. I mean, like, I feel like Tatum's played well, but, like, not as well. I mean, like, he's played okay. Like, I'm, like, for my expectations on Tatum, like, I look at – as like a top eight to nine player. I mean, like right. he played really well in game four. He played really well in game four. But game three, I was really concerned that they weren't going to like win game four because I was like, oh my God, you lost a master class performance from Al Horford. Like that's never going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, just for him to play I even come better. Back game four. I doesn't miss a single <laughs> shot. So it's, it's crazy. And I mean, like I was a little surprised that uh, um, 
Derek White was in the uh, the starting line or the closing lineup to end the uh, yeah. And it worked yeah. out. It worked out. I thought Grant was going to go in there. Uh, I think they found some nice uh, some nice like scoring touches late in the game for uh, Marcus Smart. I think they found something there on those uh, those posts. Like he mm-hmm. was finding anything he wanted in the post late in that game. Like right. he did it a couple times. On, I think he did it twice on Drew and one on uh, Grayson. Like he, yeah. like this is a pretty strong player, but I, he used to do that back in Boston, like with Brad and stuff like that. You didn't see it uh, as much this year, but like he did it three times and it was with ease. And if he missed it, he would have got the, like the offensive rebound. So mm. I think they, they're going to go to that a little bit more tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Game five tonight. Um, what do you think? What do you think is like the biggest key for this game? Like, what do you think is like the one thing that will swing this game one way or the other? If you had to pick one thing. Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. He has not had quite the impact that I was expecting. Like I thought he would be like a killer in the series, like stretching the floor, hitting a lot of corner threes. Um, the Bucks shooters in general, like Bucks role players in general, have not shot the ball particularly well. Um, but yeah, Bobby Portis has not had quite the impact that I think. So I think that's a good pick because if he plays well, that that makes the Bucks like way more dangerous. Like if I forget, ah, damn, I wish I had the stat in front of me, but like the. Uh, the Bobby Portis, Giannis, Brooke Lopez lineup, like when they have all three in the game, like oh, the yeah. numbers are not good for the Bucks. Like the plus minus is pretty bad in a decent mm-hmm. sample size. Funny, I, think after one, I think after game one, we all thought it was going to be the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They all amazing. Bobby was like unbelievable in game one. I'm like, and if they have this size against this team, and I mean, like, yeah. no matter if Rob was in there, because just Brooks, like, Rob's a great player, but like, Brooke is just like so much, like, so big and long. It's like, oh my God, player. man. I don't like, He's like a I, I say it like I, I feel like I say it like five or six times a game where I'm just like, damn, Brooke Lopez is fucking huge, man. Like he he's just crazy. he just takes up so much space, bro. Like it's ridiculous. And even in 2019 against like the uh against the Bucks when I like as a Rouse fan, like late in game six, like the guy just like he finds mm-hmm. a way to get buckets. Like even yeah. like the other night, he was getting those lobs late in the game. I think he had 10 points in the fourth quarter. Like it, I don't know. The Bucks need to shoot the ball better from three. I mean. I'm surprised they're even tied to two. If you were to tell me that Pat Con, I mean, outside of Pat Connington and uh, yeah. Matthews, I think they're probably shooting less than 15% from three. They're shooting yeah, Grayson Allen has not shot the ball well. Portis, yeah. like we said. Um, 29% yeah. as a team and Pat Connington shooting 45% on 20 attempts. And you got Wes Matthews shooting 40% on 14 attempts. So that just goes to show you. Yeah, like, and then the rest are. Connick, 12%. Drew, 30%. Bobby, 21 Grayson Allen, 27 Like, those four guys right there are just like yeah. Giannis is Giannis, I think, has taken a lot of threes in the series too. I don't know the exact numbers, yeah, but and he's, like he's been pretty inefficient. Like he's had a good series, yeah. don't get wrong, but 44, 12, and uh 60 is not the best. Yeah, for shooting splits, 44, 12, and 60, not great. But um, yeah, I'm kind of struggling to figure out like I I'm sure it's just you know a com- combination of both, but if it's just like you know, struggling to hit shots or just great defense, because both of these teams have such fantastic defenses that you know are coached up so well. That I feel like both teams are being forced into taking like shots that they don't like, you know, shots they don't want to take. I feel like that has to do a lot with the inefficiency Uh, because these two teams like I forget. Damn, I really should have these numbers off the top of my head. But like two of the top, what, five defenses this season? You know what I mean? Um, Whereas like the Celtics, I know the Celtics had good offensive numbers in the second half of the season, but they don't really have a great offense. The Bucs like without Chris Middleton don't have a great offense. So, like, these teams going up against such good defenses, I think is probably the reason why it's just been so inefficient. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at, like, Giannis. Like, Giannis is finishing at the rim has not been good at all in this series because of how good the Celtics' interior defense is. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, like, it's kind of crazy that Giannis could be averaging, like, nearly, like, 36 points a game if he was hitting his free throws or just even hitting one more three. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
you go on about the Bucks fans talking about how much his jump shots gotten better every single regular season. It feels like they go on about their, uh, his jump shot, improving his free throw and his mid range. And I, I saw his free throw improving too. Right. Like I feel like even last series, his free throw wasn't the greatest either. I mean, he's 26 for 44 this series, which is like 60%. I mean, yeah, he's got to hit those free throws, especially in a game like tonight. But I just feel like he's got no choice but to take that many shots for the first time in his career. He, he has no, like, yeah, I mean, even Drew, Drew's shooting like 34 and 30, I think, like, and he's averaging 21 points a game. Like, that's just like, that's crazy how much they're shooting the ball. I think mean, he's taking like 90, they've, they've taken like 200 shots between the two of them. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, game three, Drew and Giannis both each took 36 shots. And I don't, I don't think they're the type of guys that want to do that, to be honest. I know right. like especially to- Drew. Especially Drew. Yeah, especially when Drew's not on, too. He likes to let yeah. the game come to – and even Giannis. Like Giannis will score 30 points, but it's it's an efficient 30 points. Like, yeah, it's, it's taking like LeBron, him down. It's like yeah, it's LeBron in the sense. Yeah, it's like a LeBron in the sense. Like, LeBron's going to get 28 points a game, but, like, don't expect – like, not like this is, like, LeBron before and, like, Miami. Right, right. LeBron's going to get his 28 points a game, but it's going to be on, like, 20 shots efficiently. He's going to play make and stuff like that, like – that's what it's kind of been here. Giannis is like, he hasn't, uh, I mean, even his turnovers are kind of bad too. He's almost averaging five turnovers a game too. And the offensive fouls, like that's one thing tonight too, other than Bobby, like he's got to stay out of foul trouble too. Yeah. That's going to be a big key. Um, it's, it's just, it's so tough, man, because like as a Celtics fan, I try not to complain too much. Like I, I hate to be someone that like bitches about the refs all the time, but when I'm watching these games and I'm seeing Giannis just like bowl people over, you know, like just straight, just like leaning into people. I'm like, it's just tough, though, because, like, he's such a difficult player to officiate. You know, like, the the most dominant players athletically, like, you know, you look at, like, LeBron, historically Shaq. Like, those guys are so tough to officiate. It's it's so tough. Like, when he's attacking the basket, it puts so much responsibility on the ref. But, yeah, he is the yeah I, I don't know. Like, I, I think I'd like to see a couple more of these be called offensive fouls. And the fact that, you know, Emi Adoka said after, I think it was after game two, he was like, yeah, the refs told them essentially that they're not going to call it if, like a player doesn't fall down, which yeah. is, you know, like I get it, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. It, it, it's a tough spot because you, when you have a player so physically dominant, like Giannis, like it, it's tough to gauge, like what's, what's a defensive foul, what's an offensive foul. But I do feel like he's gotten away with like a few halfback dives in this series for sure. No, I agree with that hundred percent. And it's also like, I mean, it's hard because like, you're also in like, I think he might be the hardest player of all time that you've had to officiate because he plays so hard. Mm-hmm. He's so strong. He's so athletic. Like he's got the body frame of like LeBron. He plays in a way softer era than Shaq. And he just, his motor just doesn't stop. Like he just. Yeah. just and he does that shit where like when he attacks the basket, dude, like his ability, like, cause he has such long strides, like his ability to just like slip between double teams and like move like around people to where like he's creating so much contact, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, yeah. man. It's so it, hard. Let's talk about let's talk about real quick uh, Wesley Matthews defense on Jason Tatum, because if you told me that he was going to come in and just clamp Tatum all series, he would go over 10 in a game when guarded by West Matthews. I would have never believed you. So am I just sleeping on West Matthews or is he having just some sort of resurgence here? Yeah, I mean, he's played really well. I mean, he's played well on both ends, too. I mean, like I yeah. said earlier, like 40 percent from three. Went back and looked at the over 10. It was, it was actually, it was pretty good. I was like, is this Lamicky or not? But like, it was, uh, no, it's a legit over 10. Legit. It was about, oh, it was about, yeah. yeah, it was about 0 for 7, 101, I think, uh, like over 7, 101, I think it was. And then the other three were like half and half. But like, right. it was like, it was both. I mean, for a guy who's smaller than Taylor by like a decent margin, like, mm-hmm. 
he just I think he was just get, like he almost like predicted where Tatum was going. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he, like yeah, he, he, he was like restricting his off ball movement so well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even like the shots like where Tatum would uh, like almost get like it looked like a good look. Like Matthews would do something slightly like to get Tatum like to miss the shot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, really like get up in his like, own space. Like, yeah, he tipped up the ball a little bit and Tatum turned around and did a fadeaway. And it looked like it was a wide open shot, but like Matthews just tipped the ball before Tatum right. was going to So he did like his whole adjustment on the ball. Just off, yeah. like and just like he's up and then after like, but he's not fouling too. Like he's so, he's been so perfect at that. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that get the mistake, like, okay, I'm going to get up in this grill and stuff like that. But like, he's been like, he's been playing it perfectly. Like he almost looks like a, a Mark. He looks better than Marcus Smart on defense this series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> smart. smart hasn't exactly like validated his defensive player of the year in this series. Um, but you know, hard uh, for him though. yeah, yeah. This isn't the series for him to be making that type of an impact. Um, but really, I mean, like the Celtics defense, like that defensive player of the year award should just be split between the eight of them, like the eight guys in the rotation. Cause that, that's really where they like why they won or why yeah. he won. But yeah, the, the way Wes Matthews, like you said, like being able to defend him without fouling has been so good. Like it, it's made such an impact on the series and it is not something I anticipated. Like I knew Wes Matthews could lock up, but I didn't know he had it like this. I ain't gonna lie to you. Let's move to uh, Warriors Grizzlies. Um, this is unfortunately probably like the like going forward probably the least like exciting series just because it's the only one where it's three one. But I do feel like I mean all four games. Well, no, I mean I guess game two Warriors like blew them out. But I do feel like it's been a good series. You know what I mean? Like it feels like had a couple things gone a different way, the Grizzlies could be up three one very easily. You know, like it's been a very back and forth series outside of game two. Um, yeah. But honestly, like. The fact that the Warriors are up 3-1 doesn't really surprise me too much. Like, I picked Warriors in five, um, and we'll see what happens tonight. But, like, the results of these games have not been too surprising for me. Like, I thought that it would be competitive, but that given that the Warriors – like, how much better the Warriors are than the Timberwolves when it comes to just execution and things of that nature, like, I expected them to to be able to, like, be, beat out the Grizzlies, you know? Yeah, that was, like, me. Honestly, I was – like, okay, this is me. I've, I've loved the Grizzlies, right? Like, I was a big fan of the Grizzlies, like – the last few seasons and stuff like that, like jazz, like assurance, like they went from like a lottery team and the Jack comes here and like just the whole culture changes and stuff like that. And then like, I hate when like, cause I hate this cause it's not really correlated to the game, but right when everyone started talking about them being like world title contenders and stuff like that, like, are these guys really going to make the NBA finals? And like, I saw a few guys on ESPN predicted that you'd make the finals and stuff like that. I had a lot of people in the conference finals, like, this was like in March and April. A lot of people even would have them beating Golden State before the, the Timberwolves series, right? right? And I had my post that the Grizzlies would win in seven, I think, just because it's hard to win your first round, like your first playoff series as a team. Like, it, it, it's hard. Yes, they look decent against the Jazz, and, like, I know they lost in five and they played competitive and stuff like that, but just because they play Minnesota doesn't mean it was going to be a cakewalk. Right. You know what I mean? So that, and then after – I did think they'd look better, though, because I thought Minnesota was going to look better, too. Like, both teams – like, it was a fun, entertaining series. But like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize how many mistakes there were going to be. You know what I mean? Like, oh my like, god, yeah. But I was like, at times I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, even Chris Finch, I wasn't even like happy with at times. Like, it just seemed yeah. like all he, like he didn't know how to run a half court offense at all. Like, mm-hmm. it was just out of timeout. But like, I don't want to get on that point. But I was just like, I don't. I just like Memphis looked a little bit fraudulent to me at that point. If I'm uh, grading them to be a, a world title contender, right? Based on expectations at the start of the season, they're right on path. If not, yeah, absolutely, way. yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bane, like Bane and Clark, like this has been perfect for them. Jag going to an MIP, like near MVP candidate. Like this is what you want, but like, I'm not surprised by any means. I mean, like if anything, I'm more surprised with Golden State, um, like game, I mean, Clay, 
Clay hasn't played that great. He's starting yeah. to turn it on a bit, but it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I have golden state to win. Obviously. Like I got, I got that money riding on golden state to win. I still think they're going to win. But like, I think it, the thing for me is golden state hasn't even looked close towards their peak. Yep. And still winning. If that makes like, that's why I think they're going to win. If they don't hit their peak, they don't hit their peak, but I believe they're going to hit their peak. I don't think Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are going to shoot this way forever. They're the two greatest shooters. And they've had some good looks. Like we can't say, I've seen yeah. some wide open threes that I've yep. never seen this and like bad, like bad miss. Like I'm talking to miss where it doesn't even hit the, like the, the rim, like complete off the backboard or like backboard off the rim. Mm-hmm. It's coming, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think whoever plays them in the third round or finals is going to get the best Golden State team we've seen in a few years. Yeah, it does feel like a correction is coming on the the Curry and Clay shooting. Although I will say with Clay, like, yeah, you don't know. He, yeah, he might just not be the same dude. Like, I think he really just he doesn't have the same lift, like offensively and defensively. He just doesn't have that same lift in his legs. He's not yeah. nearly as quick as he used to be. Like he he's very far from the player he used to be, but I do think like Curry, yeah, Curry's missed some like confusingly open shots. You know what I mean? So I do think that'll correct itself a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think you you described it well with the Grizzlies though. Like based on the expectations coming into the season, like they're doing fantastic. Like they're on a great path right now. But um, evaluating them as like a, a contender, like yeah, I don't I don't think they're there yet. Um, I have really liked a lot though because I'm a huge Zaire Williams fan. I love the fact that he's been getting big minutes. He's been closing games for them. It's been really exciting to see because like coming into the league, like he was super raw and he didn't get a ton of minutes, but he was getting some opportunity. And now he's at a point already where he's in their closing lineup, which is fantastic. I know. I I even, did you see my, uh, my, my, my story the other night uh, before game four? I'm like, I don't know. Zaire game coming. Yeah. Zaire Williams game, but it was Kyle Anderson, but like he played pretty decent, but like, I've noticed though, like, man, his defense is there. Like, he's so active on defense. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. Playoffs, like, he was all over them. And I, I mean, I thought the game was was done. I turned the game off when it was uh, when Memphis was up by fourteen. Uh, the other night, next thing you know, wow, Otto Porter Jr. just goes insane. Like, he deserves <laughs> some credit. Otto Porter Jr. has played really, really well for this team. Yeah. Shooting like five percent from them this series. Like, even Kaminga, man, like Kaminga shooting sixty-seven yes. percent. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to bring up Kaminga too because um, with Gary Payton going down. And he like it's reported that he may or may not be back if they're like in the finals. With him going down, I think like a lot of people, like the casual NBA fan, might know who Gary Payton the second is, right? But I think he's actually like really important for the Warriors making the finals because I it, it ties into Kaminga because I think without Payton, like they lack a lot of athleticism, you know, like they don't seem to be nearly as athletic as some of these other teams. And Gary Payton was like he alleviated a lot of that, like he provided them like a real like backward defensive option. So I think that, you know, it was really interesting to me that Kerr uh, inserted Kaminga into the lineup um, because he is so young, but he does provide that athleticism, provides a lot of energy. And like, he's clearly making mistakes here and there, you know what I mean? But um, just for one, like just getting him out there and just getting that experience, I think is so good for him. And just having his like bursts of athleticism, I think has been good too. Yeah, exactly. I, I like, to your point, I don't think they have anyone athletic, really. I mean, they got Poole. I'd say Poole, Wiggins, and Porter. Or, sorry, Poole, Wiggins, and Kaminga are the only really ones that are, like, truly athletic on right. that roster. And Wiggins, yeah, Wiggins, man, like. Like, Wiggins has lost, like, like you know what I mean? Like, Minnesota Wiggins had more of a, like, a. He's more explosive. Like, yeah, explosive lift. Like, I'm not even, like, it's not Wiggins slander at all. But, like, I'm just, like, Wiggins in Minnesota was so athletic. Like, it was, like. Mm. Crazy, yeah, he was, he was a freak. Um, And he'll still yeah. show. That's it. That. Wiggins is so weird, man, because he'll yeah. just be in stretches. Like, 
he'll whether it's within a game or within like a couple game stretch, like he will look so good in moments. And then like then for like a week, you'd be like, Oh yeah, Andrew Wiggins is on the Warriors. Like yeah, he just fucking happens. disappears. It's it's so weird, man, how he can just disappear. He'll score eight points in two minutes, and then you're like, Oh shit, I forgot Andrew Wiggins is playing today. Like, exactly. Yeah, he'll be on the court, you don't even realize it, and then all of a sudden he's balling for a couple minutes and then he just goes right back to disappearing. It's one of the weirdest things. Like He's so incredibly talented, and yet he can have such little impact on games sometimes. Um, How do you – well, actually, yeah, actually, before we get to Heat Sixers, because I unfortunately have been at work for basically every game, so I haven't been able to watch a ton of that series. I don't have a ton to say about that one. So before we move to that, um, how do you think the Warriors match up with the Suns? Like, I know you have – you've been riding with the Warriors for a while. Now you think they're going all the way. Um, Uh, um, Yeah, what do you think a Warriors-Suns matchup looks like? Okay, okay. I'm, I have a couple different parts to this answer. Okay, first, I think Memphis is going to win tonight, and then Golden okay. State wins six. Um, I think the Mavs could win, but if it is the Suns, it's going to yeah, be I say Warriors-Suns just because it's the more likely conference yeah, finals. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a – man, it's going to be a hard matchup for Golden State. I think the big key for me, like just looking at it as a whole, the first thing that comes to my mind is Aiton. Mm-hmm. Aiton versus Raymond. I mean, like that's the big one to me, and I just like yeah. – I guess how well Booker plays. I mean, like the Booker, there's two matchups, Aiton versus Draymond and Booker versus Clay. I mean, the differentiation between those two matchups will d- dictate how, like the Golden State doesn't have to win those matchups, but if they can hold it up as much right, as they yeah. can. And then Curry, Curry and Keno play Paul. I think Jordan Poole, like if, if I was to go back before the season now, I wouldn't have placed that bet on Golden State to uh, win the championship. But Jordan Poole being like there, like he's played really well. I know like he hasn't been the same against Denver, but he's still averaging 23 points on nearly 50. And yeah, yeah, he's still been good. Yeah. You have that coming off the bench. And I mean, like, I'm just going to say how it is. Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder can be hella inconsistent at times, man. Like, I love oh, yeah. them to death. Like, they're either yeah. four for six from three or they're two for seven. Like, it's just, yeah. They're a six for, they're a six for like, they're a 38%, but like you're either getting 45% or you're getting 25%. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel that they have them both, but like, it's it's so close like i'm i might be by it's gonna go seven games but i just i don't know i guess i guess we'll see i don't even think the suns are getting past the luca like i think the Mavs are gonna win game six the uh, the suns have never even been in game seven before yeah that's fair. so i don't know i feel like i'm taking golden state on the more experienced side i feel like draymond could really get nathan's head i expect clay i don't think clay's gonna shoot tw- i don't think he's the same player he once was but i don't expect clay thompson to shoot 23 percent from the three I don't expect Curry to shoot 31% from three. Yes, there'll be regression with Kaminga and stuff like that. I don't expect Wiggins to shoot 25%. And I mean, Chris Paul, I know we were just slandering him a little bit, but like I think he's shooting 50% from three this entire playoffs. Like, I don't know how how much longer that can keep up. Right. You know, I mean, like I know he's a beast of a shooter, but like I don't know. It's gonna yeah, be the efficiency he's on right now has been incredible. Um, I think it is such a tough series because like I think that if everyone's rolling, right? Like when these teams are at their best, I do think the Warriors are better. Like they like, like they yeah. peak higher, you know what I mean? But to me, the Suns are a lot more consistent. They're a lot more reliable. And I think they match up really well with Golden State. Like, I don't think that like the Warriors have necessarily like the pieces because like we talked about with, with no Gary Payton the second, like who guards Booker? Is it going to be Wiggins? Because I think ideally you want Wiggins guarding CP3. We've seen in that matchup, Wiggins does a lot to like, pester cp3 with his size you know guys with a lot of size can really like hinder cp3 um so like who's guarding booker at that point you know and then like yeah. with draymond guarding Aiton, like obviously draymond is fantastic probably like arguably the best defender in the league i don't really love him playing like such heavy center minutes i gotta be honest like 
Yeah. Because if like he can guard Aiton, right? But then it leaves like who they putting at the four and who who are they guarding? You know, like I just feel like uh the Suns, especially like the backup units, because of how good like JaVale and Biombo can be off the bench. Like I think the Suns could really dominate the glass if they're going Draymond at the five for heavy minutes. But like Looney isn't really getting it done either. Like I think he would get worked. So it's it's a tough matchup for the Warriors. I think they can be a better team at their best, but I would take the Suns in that series. Yeah, and I I would I don't blame you at all. I mean, if I didn't have a bet on Golden State, I'd probably yeah yeah fair. Got to ride with the Warriors. Also, at the same time, like I just like for me, like I'm a law of averages type of guy. Like if someone loses four games in a row, I want to take them because I know they're due to win. Like I just feel like as much as Clay's not the same player, he's like he's due for that little like game six. Like I think yeah. I think these teams could be really even, and Clay mm-hmm. could be struggling, and it could be a game six OKC where he just like oh shit, like he's not missing. Like what do we do? Like, and Almost he's had stretches like it's not yeah. like he's been bad all season, right? Like he he's he's had some stretches where he's looked really good. So he definitely has it in him to be like a really good contributor. Uh, he's just yeah. been struggling lately. And uh, I would start Otto Porter Jr. I just I just want to add that I'd start Otto Porter Jr. I'd have uh, I think I'd go Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Otto, and Dre, and then I'd probably put Otto Porter on Booker to start the game. And then when they try to get a switch, you can either put Clay and Wiggins on it. I don't know. Porter, like, I know Porter's not the best defender in the world, but, like, he's 6A. At least he gives him length and stuff like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know the Suns like to look for easy switches and stuff like that. And then at least it's like, I don't know, you got Wiggins on you, I guess. I mean, they'll try to attack Curry, but uh, Curry, man, people shit on Curry's defense a lot, man, but, like, at least he tries. Like, he's not, like, the most gifted defender by any means, yeah. but he gives, like, I would say he's average just based on his effort. You know what I mean? Like, I would, people try to put him down as a poor defender, but, like, I don't think he's poor. Like he's poor, no, like talent. He's talently poured on on like defense, but like yeah, the, yeah. The idea that like he's like some defensive liability is like way overblown. Way overblown. Like there was def. Like don't get me. There was definitely a point in time where it was like whoever offense on Curry. Like that was what it was. But yeah, he's at a point now. Like he's gotten a lot stronger as he's gotten into his thirties. Um, he's a really smart player. Like his positioning and everything is good. And like you said, like he try he puts in the effort on defense. Um, he's just six three, one eighty. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I definitely think it, yeah, that gets overblown. The, like his defense. Like he's he's perfectly fine. Like for a six three point guard, I think he he does his job on defense. You know, like he'll play the passing lanes every so often, get some steals. Like he doesn't get abused. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like teams are just attacking him every single time. He's just layup lines, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I, I think that's overblown. Yeah. I think eight. So I think I basically like I just want to add one more thing. I think it's gonna just like I'm just looking out of here and I, I think it's gonna come down to eight and like I just like I'm thinking that Poole's like Poole's been really successful against the Suns this year in the regular season. Otto Porter has like Kareem Clay have been kind of decent, but like I'm just looking out of here. When Aiden plays well, like that's when the Suns go, man. Like especially yeah. against the, yep. the goal, like the Warriors too. Like he had a couple. He gets a lot of rebounds too. Like if they if he's getting those offensive rebounds, like he's exactly. Done a of, he's had a 24 and 11 game. He's got a 16 and 16 game against them. Like mm-hmm. he's got a bit of everything against them. And like. Oh, that is worrisome because like you don't want to give them free buckets. Like the two times Golden State won, he had 18 and six, and then he had another like poor game. Like, I don't even know if he played. He had 20, yeah, yeah, well, he had 23 points, but everyone else played like shit. So, like, I mean, I don't know what you do. I, do you put Looney in the starting lineup? I mean, both times they won, they had Looney in the starting lineup, which is kind of funny, right? So yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point though about Aiden. Like when he's playing well the Suns are at their best. Like he has to be having like those 20 and 10 type games. And I think he can, that's the thing is like, if he's playing aggressive, which is not always the case, there are times where he's not even like soft, like people call Aiden soft. I don't think that's what it is. He's not like scared of and contact. It- he's not like, you know, he's not weak or whatever, but 
he's just not aggressive enough. Like there are times where like there'll be like a smaller dude switched on him. And like, like I know, like it's tough because I know it isn't played through the post anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, it like teams don't have post-centric offenses anymore. But there are times where he'll just have a smaller dude on him and he just won't finish over him. Like he'll just be like yeah. hesitant about it. So yeah. like if, if he if you can get like seven great seven games of an aggressive eight in, um, then I don't know if the Warriors have much of a chance. Like I think he just provides too much size. Like they just don't have an answer for that. That's what I think. Like that's been my thing with the Warriors all year um has been like i just don't think they have enough size like to me like especially in the west like you need a seven footer you need a legit seven footer that you can rely on consistently and like i love me some kavan looney but i only love me some kavan looney not a lot of kavan he's getting stretches for about 16 to 18 minutes a game but like i don't know if i want him in my closing lineup exactly yeah that's yeah that's the thing i I just think they lack size in their closing lineup because like their best five has to be you know curry pool clay wiggins draymond that's not a lot of size, especially with like Clay is not giving you the type of defense he used to. That's not a great five. Like people yeah. were people were busting in their pants over like the eleven minute sample size against the Nuggets, where that lineup had like a two hundred offensive rating, a seventy five defense rating. I'm like, yeah. bro, it was eleven minutes against the Nuggets. Like that, it was so ridiculous to me from the jump. And now we're seeing that that lineup is not having the same impact. But, yeah. Be crazy. I mean, they're just shooting 38% too. Like Golden State's shooting 38% from three. Like I'm just looking at the team uh stats mm-hmm. at the playoffs. They're shooting 38% from three. And like you would you would not think that. I mean, yes, they've shot the yeah, ball, yeah, that definitely feels high. Two, they're two best players. And I mean, even Wiggins like have shot pretty poorly from three. I mean, like I guess they did have they did have two like historic shooting nights though so far in the first two rounds. So I guess that's why it kind of evens out. Cause yeah, 38% feels way too high, but you consider like the way they shot in game two, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's the number one. That's the number one left out of other teams. Like the Suns are shooting thirty-seven percent. So I guess we'll see. Gotcha. All right, let's let's transition to Heat Sixers. Like I said, I haven't watched a ton of this one. I've just unfortunately been at work on the day of these games. Um, so I don't have a ton to say. I'll kick this one to you to start off. You can take this wherever you want. Um, just any observations you got for this one. Jimmy Butler, man. Jimmy Butler. Dude's actually a beast, man. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, like, I don't think a lot of people were, like, slandering Jimmy and stuff, like, coming into the season, like, last year and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, this has been just as impressive as, like, this is getting up there, like, just as impressive as the bubble. Like, oh, yeah. He, he hasn't been, like, in the bubble, like, in the finals, I think, like, people forget, like, in the finals, like, it was historic, historic, historic. But, like, against the Bucks, like, it was, like, he was winning the games, but it wasn't like he was dropping, like, 40, 10 and, like, five. No, like, right, right. He was, doing, he was being Jimmy Butler, but winning the games and being clutch in the moment he had to be against Giannis and stuff like that. Like this, like he's playing so well right now. Like I'm actually shocked. Like every time he shoots the ball, I'm like, uh, just like from the regular season, like I'm a little bit hesitant for him to shoot it. Right. Yeah. The, the way he's shooting, the way he's been shooting the ball, dude, like I think he's at like 37% from three or something. Like it's incredible. Like he went from a dude that like over the course of like not even two seasons, he went from just like a normal, normal like wing player to someone who just didn't shoot at all. And these last like 10 games or whatever, he's just knocking down all his jumpers. It is. Yeah. It's, it's been crazy. He's been absolutely hooping. And James Harden too. I mean, he, he's another one like James Harden. I don't know. I don't even know. Like, where would you have him in like your players? Like if you had to, like, where would I rank James Harden? Yeah. Like is he in your top, top 25 or no? My top 25. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I'd have to make the list. Ah. It's tough though. Like this is really tough now. Like this series, like, He's, you know what's the thing? He hasn't even shot that bad from three this playoffs, and he still looks like shit. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing is because, like, the, the shots that he's taking have been going in at a decent clip, right? But it's so clear he's not able to get the same shots he used to. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. not he's not taking the same shots that he used to. 
Yeah, he yeah. was so reliable on being like he wasn't even a three point shooter basically. Like when he first became that natural like that score, you know what I mean? He was a yeah. he was a beast out knowing the rules of the game and being crafty. He was one of the shiftiest and craftiest players you've ever seen. And like right. I res- I honestly respected it because at the time like it's the rules of the game. And then right. he would be he had that floater like that floater was such a go to move mm-hmm. and he'd go behind and get fouled or he'd throw up a lob to Capella or whoever ever was playing at the time. Now he can't get, first of all, he can't get the explosiveness or that first step to even get in an opportunity to throw the floater. And when he does, it's already three people on his face and he can't. So, I mean, he's shooting, I think, 35% from three this playoffs or like 34%. And I've seen him hit some big time threes, which he never usually does in the playoffs. He usually shoots 31%. Like, that's the concerning part. It'd be different if it was like, okay, this is James Harden. He's just not shooting it. Right. Yeah, he's hitting a decent amount of shots. Yeah. Yeah. And even this series, like, he's got six and a half assists, but he also has 5.1 turnovers a game. Like, that's just like, it's unsustainable. Like, I don't like, I don't know. Joel Embiid's played pretty decent for coming back. I mean, like, just three balls not dropping, but like, I don't know. I feel like his three ball never drops unless it's game three against the Raps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had to bring that up there. But like, I don't know. Doc starting DJ was just so stupid. I, I like, I just, yeah, let's, know. okay. Yeah. Let, let's designate just a quick two minutes for some DeAndre Jordan talk because like, I know everyone has been on Doc's neck for playing him. And I've been trying to like, I've been trying to see his his side of it, right? Because like at some point, like we can shit on Doc all we want, but he is an NBA coach, right? So like I'm trying to get in his mind and like the his coaching staff's mind of like how they justified playing DeAndre Jordan as much as they did. Because he came out after like people were asking like why he's playing him. And he's like, nah, we're going to keep playing him. Like we like DJ this, that, whatever. And I just... I'm struggling, dude. Like, I'm struggling to find a reason why. Like, you can point to, like, oh, Paul Reed will get in foul trouble. He's young, this, that, whatever. You can point to, oh, we don't want to play small. But, like, DeAndre Jordan doesn't provide anything. Like, he was, what, like, a minus 17 in 20 minutes, something like that. Like, the numbers are insane, dude. And even, like, like I said, I haven't watched a ton, but I was able to watch, like, some of the clips of it. He's providing zero resistance on defense. He's providing zero impact on offense. Like, what does he do? What What does he do? Yeah, it just it, it's it's crazy. And like the idea that like you can't play Paul Reed because of foul trouble, like just go small. Like we saw I you were talking. You said I, it like I, half jokingly to put Niang at center, but we saw like that small stretch. Like that's where they were making that comeback, and like those seven minutes where like Niang was at center, and then we never saw it again in the second half of that game. Exactly. That's what I wanted to do. I thought I would just like. I, I said game one or no, was it game one or game? Yeah. Game one. I said, start Yang at center. I was like, I don't like Bam. Like, I don't know. Bam's eyes lit up when he saw Deandre Jordan. Like that's one of the best guys he's ever went against in his career. Like if you look at his numbers, like the last, yeah. like I think he's ever 25, basically every time, at least Niang, if Bam's going to fuck you up on offense. At least you can make Niang stretch the floor. That's the one thing I know he's good right. at. Like 67% from us from three, this series, like at least make him do that. And like when he was on the court, they were a plus four. At least you're making Bam stretch out, and you have Harden with four other guys to space the floor. Exactly. Instead of running five out and having a decent offense where you're taking out Bam, you're making Bam act like a fucking depoy because he can go up against every single buddy else. Like, right? He doesn't have to guard his own man. Yeah. Have to guard his own man, and then he has a pylon on defense. Like, it's just like I'm out of words. Like, I know Niang is not a center material, but like, throw something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, because honestly, like Bam, Bam would be Jordan off the bench. What is it? Sorry, I missed it. What was that? I'm sorry. I'm just saying, like, play Jordan. If you want to, if you really wanted to play Jordan, play him like three minutes off the bench. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that wouldn't be the end of the world. If you want to give uh, someone a, like a break, use the commercial break or the timeout. And then after, let Jordan play like the last minute of a, a quarter or something. I'm sure it wouldn't be the end of the world or situational. Like, yeah, right. You want. Like, 
you can't start him the whole game. You yeah, start he's him like trying to play him for stretches. As if, yeah, yeah. You let Bam get momentum. Like you see, Bam's the difference in Bam's game now when the be though. Right. Yeah. Shit ain't so sweet for Bam anymore. Yeah. But like, yeah, like with the Niang thing, like Bam has the capability to like absolutely eat eat up Niang for lunch, right? But like, just given like the way I've seen him play, like if you put Niang on him. Bam's probably not doing anything with it. You know what I mean? Like he might grab some offensive rebounds, but they're not dumping the ball down low to Bam and he's just going to work. Like that's just not going to happen. Even like they get him the ball a lot at the high post. And like, even if you put like a wing, like Niang on him, I don't really trust that Bam's going to be aggressive enough to like attack him off the dribble. That's just not what Bam does. It's like the most frustrating part of his game. But yeah, like he might, he might uh, get dominated on the boards, but at least you'll have some semblance of an offense, right? Like you'll have Niang stretching the floor, taking Bam out of the paint, given those driving lanes, like you said. Um, but yeah, now with, with, uh, with Embiid back though, I guess that's, you know, less of an issue, but even like, I'd like to see that in the non Embiid minutes, like a Niang Tobias front court and see what that does. Because in that one, like, I think it was like seven minutes they played and they were like a plus four and then we just never saw it again. So yeah, I'd like to see them go back to that. Um, does doc get fired if they lose this series? I would fire him, but I don't think they will fire him. That, that's my answer to it. Like, that's I right. Just, yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, I'd definitely like to see him go. Um, he does, like, see, like, there, there's so much more to, like, being a, a NBA head coach than just, like, the X's and O's drawing up plays, yeah, yeah. this and that shit. Like, he's he's really well-respected for, like, the other stuff, like the managing egos and, like, that sort of thing, like the off-the-court type stuff. But if they want to actually win a championship, I don't think Doc can be the coach, man. Like, we've seen, like, it's been, like, He's at the point that you know it's real when, like, he's at the point where he's at these press conferences, like, defending his own name, defending his playoff resume. Like, it, it's it's that bad. Like, we have too big of a sample to know that he's just not going to win you four rounds. Like, it's just it's just not. No, I agree with that. And I think it goes to show I get, I get more respect for Garnett and Rondo and Allen and the crew. <laughs> winning that ring yeah they yeah the Celtics won the 08 title despite Doc Rivers not because of Doc Rivers and despite yeah they don't uh, have, they're gonna invite him to like the ring ceremony <laughs> no nah, they they love him man they, like yeah. the bond between those dudes is oh, crazy. Yeah, they, I'm glad it was going off topic but I'm glad uh like Alan and like Alan's good with all those boys now and stuff yeah it seemed yeah the the NBA 75th anniversary thing they did they seem to be like you know they're a little more cool which is good because they, yeah, they had yeah, that yeah, the beef, I mean, it's just so unfortunate. Like, I get it. Like, I understand why, like, it happened or whatever. But it's just unfortunate because that was such a fun team mm-hmm. like that, that in that era. But, yeah, so I, th- I think the Heat are going to take game six, honestly. Like, the Sixers don't exactly strike me as a, uh, you know, a team that's going to, like, put on some masterclass effort in game six. Like, I just don't really see it from them. But, you know, I mean, at home, like, I, I, I could definitely see them extending the series. It's not impossible to think that they're going to force a game seven. Uh, it, it feels like in this series, and maybe this is just because I haven't watched a lot, so I've been doing like way more box score watching, but it feels like the, the three-point shooting variance has been like the biggest thing in this series, more so than any of the other ones. Like the Heat, uh, in the two games in Philly, I think shot like six for 29 from three, something like really terrible, you know what I mean, versus like the home games they've been shooting a lot more efficiently. I think this series probably more than any of the other ones, uh, the three-point shooting is really going to determine this one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Miami shooting thirty percent from three as a team this series, and then you got Philly who's shooting thirty-five. It's crazy though. Like, if you like, Danny Green hasn't even played bad these playoffs, man. He's played really well. I mean, he's shooting forty-five percent. Cork is shooting thirty-eight percent. Tobias has played well. I mean, he's not shooting the best this series, but he's shooting fifty percent from the field, which is good. Like, I mean, 
I don't know what else you could have asked more from the Sixers role players like this. Right. This playoffs. I mean, I, I'm shocked. I think like, I would say not that he's been bad by any means, um, but I think I was expecting like maybe one or two more like Tyrese Maxey games, you know, like so some more breakout performances. I feel like there hasn't been that like 27 point explosion or anything like that. So I feel like maybe they're lacking that. Um, but yeah, like the role players, like you, they, you've gotten everything from like the Tobias Harris's and the Danny Greens that you could have expected, you know. And Maxie's still like their leading scorer too, which I didn't, I didn't even think. Like for someone who's actually seen some of the games, like twenty-two and three on 47, 40, 90. like you, you live with that for a second-year player, right? Like, yeah, no, yeah, like I said, like he by no means has he been bad. Like he's definitely not no, a good playoffs. I, I, like, I guess I was expecting point. to like you know, get off of work after the game and like, see like Tyrese Maxey, 31 points, seven threes. He's something like that. Like I, we just haven't had that performance yet. I feel like. But I think, yeah. You know what I think it is? Like, I think teams are like starting to finally, like he's done a really good job for this role too. Like 47, 40 against like this Miami team. Mm-hmm. Kind of like really young. Like yeah. they're, they're starting to know that. I think like James is like washed or not the same, but he's not the score he once was. Right. But now Maxey is just like, the focus is on Maxey. I mean, even right. after game two, yeah against the Raptors or the K like we cannot leave this guy open anymore and like I mean yeah the, the heat the heat have not been making the same mistake as the Raptors like uh no. doubling Harden like the fact that the Raptors were doubling Harden that had to be so frustrating for you because I know that was pissing me off like yeah I said because, I yeah like you well, sorry go say that again I just said third year like I, I knew the Raps over and that's one of the biggest things that like, yeah that frustrates me about nurse and stuff like that but yeah like, it, it, it makes me it makes no sense to be doubling Harden because he's he's lost a step. Like he has more difficulty blowing by people, but he's still the same great playmaker. Like he's still a really smart passer. Like that's that's where he hurts you at this point. It's not the scoring. It's not the the free throws or anything like that. No. All right. I think honestly, do you have anything else you want to add to Heat Sixers? I was just gonna say you have you have Miami winning the series in six. I I do. I think it, yeah. Originally I well okay. So originally I had Miami in seven. Um, and then, you know, the Embiid concussion things happened. My official pick was uh, Miami in five. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do think Miami probably closes this in six um, unless we see like like someone's going to have to play above their head, I think, for Philly. Like, you know, what I mean, they're going to have to get another big Danny Green game or like the Tyrese Maxi game. Like I'm talking about, like if, if Philly just comes out and plays like the average game, like they just play to like the regular standard. Then, yeah, I think Miami wins um, as long as they're shooting the ball decently well. But, yeah. I mean, I, I could see it going either way. Like, by any means, like, the, this could go seven games. But if I had to pick one, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Heat in game six, I think. Yeah, I'm t- I, I trust Jimmy Butler more than anyone else, so. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even uh, make mention of Jimmy Butler. Uh, you started off with that. Yeah, he's 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 been great. Um, probably. Like, though, eh? like he, he's been right up there with the bubble performances. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, getting to the finals is different than what he's done so far. But just looking at, you know, the game-by-game performances, he's been – yeah, just, the, dude, just the fact that his jump shot is good because he's playing just as well as he would the regular season, but now the jump shot is also going in, you know, like it's, it just takes his game to a whole new level. Um, I did see someone say, though, uh, that he's like a top five player. That that shit needs to stop. Yeah, you could have him top 10 when he's when he's really playing well, but yeah, no. no. Any higher well, than that. You, yeah, you two more things. Duncan not playing is just like surprising, I guess, to me. It is and it isn't because yeah. like he would be he would be so good for their offense like their half court offense is so suspect sometimes that like having him out there would be huge because even though he didn't shoot the ball well this season you know that like when he's curling off the screen the defense is yeah. still thinking oh shit like that's Duncan Robinson you know what I mean so 
yeah, I, it, it does feel like he could help them, but he gets hunted, man. And like, if you're going to have him, that's the thing. They could maybe play him in like the non-hero minutes because, you know, like they have enough defensive pieces to like hide him. But both of those two on the floor at the same time, I think is a huge issue because yeah. both those dudes are liabilities straight up. Exactly. And then you have no Lowry either, which is like, I don't know what's wrong with this. I don't think Lowry's going to be. Yeah, Lowry's not healthy, man. He is not healthy. Um, And he's trying, like he he's given his all, like trying to be out there, but he's clearly not. Like I've seen him play through some bad injuries in the playoffs and stuff. Yeah. Like he had an injury similar to uh, Embiid and stuff like that with his thumb in 2019 and stuff like that yep. during the hockey. And like he's even had some like bad hamstrings before. Like this, this must be pretty bad. Or they just like there's no way they're like, gotta yeah. be. And I think, like I mean, he's he's what 35 now or 36. Yeah, 36. I forget exactly age, but yeah, he, he's in there in his mid 30s, and like he's been a guy that you know has played through a lot of injuries in his career. He's you know he's very he's been very durable, but I I think it's. You know, he's getting to a point now where it's it's not it's not as easy to like play through those injuries. And oh, I was man. like, I didn't realize like dude, he has a three year ninety-five million dollar contract. No, it's horrible. it's a bad it's it's dude, insane. I'm like, that's a bad contract. Bad, yeah. Like, like it, and those guards, like you even look at Fred, and I know like it's just like it was one injury, but like those small guards who have to play so many minutes mm-hmm. so long in these playoffs and have to guard and who have switchable defenses like the Raps and have to guard a power forward and have to guard a small forward. Like these guys are averaging blocks a game. Like you know how much that takes out of them in the long things. Like they like the way they exert themselves on defense because of their height and mm-hmm. like around the other court to make themselves better because like they almost have to because they're not a six, they're not six, 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 five. Like right. it, it exerts them and it's a wear and tear. And I think like you're finally starting to see it on both these guys and i mean like i'm not saying fred's at that point in his career where like he's done but you're gonna see more injuries coming this isn't the start yeah uh, yeah i think we saw like with fred van vliet this season we saw like that season long fatigue like he he had a great start to the season obviously named an all-star and then post all-star break like started to wear down um and then in the playoffs like really started to wear down and then with lowry you're seeing like the career long effect you know what i mean like he it's been years of what we've seen from fred van vliet this season to the point now where like I don't think he's washed, you know what I mean? Like he's still a productive player, but it's very clear, like the, all the minutes, all the injuries, all the, tr- the drawn charges, the switching on to power forwards, like it's taking a toll on him and he just doesn't have that same durability anymore. But yeah, yeah like they, they need him too, because I feel like during the regular season, it wasn't a big deal. Like you could get by without him, but I think the drop off in a playoff setting from Kyle Lowry to like Gabe Vincent is huge. You know what I mean? In terms of like execution, because what Kyle Lowry does for like, like he, in my mind, he's kind of like the junior Chris Paul, where like he is so good at like the traditional point guard stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, controlling like the pace of a game. You know what I mean? Like getting guys into sets, putting guys in the right spots, like organizing the offense. Like he's so good at that. He's so good for the Heat's offense in that respect. That like if they're gonna go to Gabe Vincent, I think Gabe Vincent's good, right? Like he's fine, but yeah. he's more of just like like he's how do I put this? He just doesn't have those like point guard skills the same way that Lowry does, like I just described. Like he just doesn't, he's just not there. That's just not the type of player he is. Yeah, so I feel like ball like Lowry at all, or play defense, or have like this is leadership and presence on the court. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Situational awareness, mm-hmm. awareness is probably the best thing about Kyle. Like yeah. whether it's a score or not, like yes, he's had some zero point games and stuff like that, but like he knows when to take over a game when it has to be with a scoring. Like you saw it against the Celtics in 2019. Or sorry, 2020, and then you yeah. saw it with like, uh, Golden State in 2019. Or you see where he has to be a pass-first type of guy. And, I mean, like, when he gets back, and if he does get back, I hope he realizes, because, like, I mean, I just went on about a situational awareness, but, like, I hope he realizes that, like, he's going to have to score 15 a game. 
Yeah, yeah, he's got to contribute. Uh, score it's, not gonna be eight, it's not going to be a, a six-point, like a single triple. Yeah, gonna... right, yeah. They need a little bit more than that from him. Just because uh, they don't have enough offense to begin with, you know what I mean? Like, especially Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. It's especially, like, I mean, Jimmy's been balling right now, right? But on a normal Miami Heat day, like, they're going to need more from Kyle Lowry for sure. And they're barely getting by with that from Jimmy. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's all I have for Heat Sixers. You Anything else you want to add to that? That's all I got to. Cool. All right. I wanted to get quickly since, I mean, we've been recording for what, like 30-ish minutes? We can go for a little bit more. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of upcoming free agents and just kind of like previewing what their market will be like. Because in terms of like star players, like we have Zach Levine who will be on the market. But for the most part, it's not like a heavily star-studded free agent class this year. Um, but there are a couple of like – I don't even know if I want to call them B tier, but sort of like that that second tier of player where like a lot of guys could be available that could like swing different like outcomes for teams next season. So I want to talk about that just just quickly, um, starting with Aiton, because like obviously there's a lot of talk about him not getting the max last year. Um, he's going to be restricted this this summer. And obviously there's interest from the Suns in bringing him back. Uh but it's clear that like they're not committed to him. Like they're not ready to just like give him the keys and be like, yep, like you're you're a max dude. Do you think that there's a team out there that you know one will offer him a max, but also should? I mean, if they have the money, I think. I mean, yeah. Like if I was a team, like okay. I mean, does OKC have like, money? Yeah, yeah. Let me pull up who has cap space so I could give you the I numbers. Think the team that comes to mind for me is the Spurs when it comes to offering eight and a max. That makes sense. Now that yeah. makes real sense. I actually really like that. Yeah, that was like as much as I love Yaka Pertle, shout out my boy Yaka Pertle. Um, I actually haven't done the Pertle game in a while, but yeah, shout out Yaka Pertle. He's really good. Um, but I think if you pair DeJounte Murray with a center like Aiton, who you can run pick and roll with, that'll like that'll take the team to a new level because they have like they're already like really solid on defense. Um, but you give them like a scoring presence like Aiton, like that physical presence, I think. Plus, he's young too. Like he would fit in perfectly timeline wise. Um, but th- like, do you think do you think Aiton is worth a max? It's hard because like there's a lot of guys in the league who I don't think deserves a max. But then you're also like forced to like have like you're almost forced to do it because like a small market advantage. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these guys don't think or like don't think Tobias Harris or even like Siakam should be worth thirty five million dollars. But like it's kind of the marketplace in that situation. Right. You know what I mean? Like. You fuck Simmons from Portland might get a, like 15, 20 million dollars based on half a season. Oh, Anthony Simons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, my thing is though, I just don't think the Suns are gonna do it. I think I don't think the Suns are winning the championship this year. So I think they're gonna be desperate. Ah, they'll probably be desperate to run it back, I assume, right? But like they're not run it back, but like they're not gonna just right. rebuild. I think I think you could sell that both ways though. It's like if they win a championship, how do they not resign Aiden? But also if they don't win the championship, it's like, oh, you gotta you gotta bring him back, you gotta you know give it another go. Yeah, so like I feel like they're gonna be motivated to resign yeah. him anyway. If you lose Aiden, or you like if if you lose Aiden, or sorry, if you lose, and then after you're gonna be like, Oh, we're just gonna lose our young center, like that was exactly right. It's yeah, you... Chris Paul is 30 years old. Yeah, you know what but... I mean? he's nearing the end of his career. Like I, I know he's playing well, but like he's still like how many years is he yeah. like three, four? At best, yeah, I I would say next year Chris Paul, next year Chris Paul will still be one of the best point guards in the league. But after that, like twenty twenty four, I he's done. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think they kind of have to bring him back. If I'm being honest, like even if it like 
you would do everything you can if you're Robert Sarver to not give him a max, right? But, I mean, you can't let him walk. I, I think the Suns are too close. Even with, like like you said, with CP3 as old as he is, like, you have to bring him back, dude. I, I don't think I don't think they can let him go. You, you tried to not sign him for a max. And if I'm, if I'm a team like the Spurs, I think I would do it just because how else are you getting someone as talented as DeAndre Aiden, right? Oh, um, so I think you do it, but you don't love it. Like you said, like the way the market is, like he probably gets one. Um, but also I, I think the really interesting thing with this, yeah, with this free agent class and next year's free agent class is that the year after there will be a new TV deal. So like the salary cap is going to make another jump. Like in 2016, when it jumped from like, 70 70 to 94 whatever it was it's going to be another jump like that so all these like 25 million dollar deals like 29 million they're not going to be nearly as big and like as big of a problem as we think of it now because it's going to be such a smaller percentage of the cap compared to what it used to be so yeah to give someone like eight max what was that it might be shorter term deals then if that's the case like you can see a lot of yeah we might yeah we might see a lot of short-term deals this summer that's a good point um but yeah, like if Aiden, I don't even know exactly what his max is because it depends on like how many years he's been in the league, this, that, whatever. Um, but say his max is like 28, 29 mil, 30 million. I think you can live with that. You know what I mean? Especially you think that like at his age, he's going to continue to get better. You know, he, he's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. So I, I think you can live with him getting a max, but you probably don't love it. I think that's where I land on that one. Yeah, that's probably like me too. And I'm just like looking at the RFAs here. Like, I don't think people realize how good the restricted free agent class is. This yeah, uh, there the there's not like a ton of like um former all stars like veteran yeah. dudes that are available, but a lot of restricted free agents, dude. Like the, the draft classes, dude. I don't think people realize the draft classes of the last five years or so have been so good and so deep. Like drafts, generally speaking, like in terms of like real NBA careers, not just like guys who had a cup of coffee, you're getting like 18 to 22 dudes in general. The 2020 draft, bro, has like 55 players who are like real dudes and like will have decent yeah. NBA careers. Like it That's is insane great. how deep the last <laughs> draft classes has, have been. I think this draft is going to be up there too. I think this draft has been kind of slept on too. I think this is a deep draft as well. Yeah, the dra- it does seem it does seem decently deep. I haven't um like, like since I've started, I haven't done a ton of scouting, but like, yeah, my board has like 40 names on it. Like it, it's a really solid class. I don't love the top end talent. I'm gonna be honest. Just like, yeah, as a quick yeah. aside, I don't, I don't like, like, I'm not a huge check guy. Like, I think he's really interesting, but he doesn't really strike me as like a number one pick. Same with like Paolo and Jabari, like I, I'm the good. very, very top end. I don't see it, but like, there's a lot of like lottery talent picks, but I think like the, I think like the, after like the, like five to 10. Yeah. It's a really good, like mid lottery. I think like I think Keegan Murray, I think maybe Jaden Ivey could be a bit overrated or a bit underrated. Like, yeah, I think he's a superstar. Yeah, yeah. Like, eh, I think Keegan Murray, if like Keegan Murray goes to San Antonio or like Sharp or mm-hmm. Washington or, or Griffin, like, I think, Adrian I think Griffin's more of a role player, gonna be a superstar, but I don't know. Yeah. Shout out my boy Tari Eason, too, out of LSU. He's a beast. LSU, that guy's he's nice. He's a dog, man. He's a dog. He's one um, of Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. Um, I move on. Next one I want to talk about, though, is Jalen Brunson. Um, he's going to be a restricted free agent as well. Um, what do you think his market is? What do you think his contract ends up being? He's an RFA, right? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, he should be. Well, he was a second-round pick, actually. So now off the top of my head, I'm not sure how that works. He might actually be unrestricted. No, he is unrestricted. Yeah, they had an opportunity to sign him for, like, three years, 55, like, before the season. They decided not to, and now he's going to be unrestricted. Wow. Yeah, he is unrestricted. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know that. I think a team, I think, I think a team's going to make a stupid friggin' offer on him. I, don't I know do too. I think with how much of like a story it was that he was really good. I think that it's going to lead to like an inflated market value for him. And I, I have a feeling that like a team like the Pistons are going to come in and give him like 25 mil a year, which like, if you're the Mavs, that's really tough because if you're the Mavs, we, we just talked about this earlier. Like he's their only other option in terms of creating offense. You let him walk and like, now you're at the risk of like losing Luca. You know what I mean? Like you could start to see like Luca trade requests at that point. If you, if you lose Brunson and don't replace him. So like, you can't just let him walk, but to, to pay Brunson 25 mil. And I know what I just said about the salary cap going up, but in the short term, until it does go up, like paying Brunson 25 mil, like that's not how you build out the roster, especially like you have Dinwiddie and Bertans on the books for so much. You still have like not a ton of flexibility. And if you're going to lock him into 25 mil, like I just don't know how, because like I said, like I don't think Brunson is a second option. You need someone else to be that dude. So how are you going to bring that dude in if he's on 25 mil? But also like, how do you let him walk? It's, it's tough. I actually don't even know what like what the solution is to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because you're. This is what I've always said about the Mavericks. Your bet, their best time to ever gonna ever gonna win is now. Like, mm-hmm. as people think that's stupid when I say that in like the chat or like I post it on my Instagram sometimes. But think about it: Is Luka Doncic gonna be Luka Doncic at eight to ten million dollars and where he is right now? Is that extra thirty million dollars, which is probably a max contract, gonna be better than? the difference between Luca now and the difference between Luca in a few years. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying, yeah. You know what I mean? Would you rather have this Luca for the last two or three years, which has the Yeah, it's, it's like the uh, – it, very similar to, like, the, the NFL model, right? Like, yeah. teams that win a Super Bowl with, like, the rookie QB contract, right? Because you can spend so much money elsewhere. Like, yeah. your star player is on such a cheap deal. Yeah, exactly. And um, people get mad at me, sorry. They're just like – but, like, you've had – like, Luca's been on 8 to $10 million and been playing as a top 5 to 10 player or, like, even even right. better. Yeah, he's had the best value contract in the league. So yeah. contracts, like – I know it's hard because it's Dallas, but, like, people are getting mad together. But it was, like, Batrons, Kleber, Dinwiddie, Hardaway Jr., Bullock. Like, for how much you would think, like, I guess, Porzingis. Like, he yeah. hasn't really had anyone, to be honest with you. Like, literally anyone. For someone who's making $8 million and being a top 5 player in the league, you should at least maybe be making the conference finals. You know what I mean? which they still could, but like, that's a carry job. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like they should have, yeah. Given that he's been on a rookie deal, like they should have been able to fill out the roster better with some more talent, but yeah, I mean, Dallas is tough. You know, they don't generally get a lot of $68 million million to Powell, uh, Hardaway Jr. Dinwiddie and Batrons is disgusting. Yeah. Actually, you know, I want to make a quick note about just to jump back to the Suns Mavs series. I want to make a quick note about Tim Hardaway Jr. And because the Mavs have been really good, like in the second half of the season, no Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, no. imagine him plugged in for, like, the Spencer Dinwiddie minutes, what he would do for their defense and, like, as an open shooter. Like, like against the Clippers last year, like, that's big, man. Especially yeah. when he's in that game. Yeah, and, and I feel like I haven't heard a single reference to Tim Hardaway Jr. in months. Like, no, like, everyone's just forgotten that he's existed. I think he would be having a big impact in the series. But, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I just feel like no one's talked about that. Yeah. But, yeah, back to Brunson, though, like, 25 mil for him, I think, is going to be, like, the type of offers he might get from a team like the Pistons or, like, one of these teams with a lot of cap space. And if you're Dallas, like, do you really want to pay him that? I don't think so, dude. Like, I just – But at the same time, do you lose him and then who are you going to replace No, him? yeah, that, that's the problem is you can't just lose these guys for nothing. That's the problem with the NBA market is, like, there's always going to be a team with cap space that can overpay for someone, and then it just forces the team's hands. Yeah, it's brutal. But, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, four for 100, roughly is the type of offer he's going to get would be my guess. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And then I had one more I want to talk about, and then I just I just lost it. Who? Did you know who? What conference? I don't know. You have the list of free agents up there, right? Yeah, UFA or RFA. Uh, he was he was restricted, but I don't just, okay. just pick one out for me. Uh okay, yeah. Well, there's a couple. I want to talk about one or two. Okay, well, there's uh there's three. I, I, I like to come back to me. I got I got I liked Malik Monk, Yusuf, oh, okay. and then I wanted to talk about uh, Dante or Simons. There's Simons too. Anthony Simon. Well, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, I see. Like, where do you think he's going? Because I don't think Sacramento's uh, matching. Yeah, so it was interesting because there was like that little story that came out a couple weeks ago that was like. Apparently, he thinks that after he got traded to the Kings, um, the team was like limiting his minutes to like limit his stats in order to like deflate his market. That's super interesting. Yeah, because now there's like this like tension. Great though, man. He might. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Because, was, like, look, I was. I remember I was doing a bunch of like it was like late in fantasy basketball season and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'd be like following it. Like, um, Davion Mitchell was getting like to 43 minutes a game. Like they were just plugging those guys in at like 43 minutes a game, and Dante would only be playing like 24, 25 minutes off the bench. Like they'd have. Terrence Davis would be playing like 35, 36 hmm. minutes a game. Like, yeah, I gotta be honest. Like, I when the when the Kings made the Halliburton trade, I watched him for like a week or two just to see what it was about. And I was like, okay, this is like a kind of cool Fox bonus duo, but then I just like completely turned out of him. So hurt. I don't even know what the Kings did in the last month of the season, to be honest. Yeah, they got, yeah, and then they got hurt. Like in the last two and a half weeks was just Terrence Davis and Davion Mitchell, and then like yeah. that was basically it. And then, I tuned I mean, out. There there was honestly like post all-star break, there was like eight teams I tuned out of completely. Kings were one of them. Um, but yeah, I think I'm trying to think of like what I think his market is going to be, you know, like, I don't know how much money he get, like it probably just like mid-level exception, you know, that's probably his market. Yeah. For Dante. Yeah. Because there was definitely like, there was a reason why the bucks traded him for like just Brooke Lopez insurance. You know what I mean? All they got, that's all they got. So yeah. Like he's not great, but like the idea of who he could be and like what his skill set is is like pretty intriguing. So it you know he's really young. I would love him on the wraps. That would be a net. Like I would I would try to find a way to like I would use a mid-level exemption on him all day better than Birch. Like you'd be yeah. nice on Toronto with that development. Yeah, Birch, yeah, Birch did not have the type of season I was expecting from him. Like not after I gassed him up. There's Jalen Smith, like I don't like there's some there's some good guys in here, man. Like Jalen Smith, like Thomas Bryan is a free agent who's useful. Like you got Harold Abaca, like TJ Warren, who people forgot about. TJ like, Warren's a wild card, dude. I think if someone could sign him, like if someone could like get him at like a cheap number, he could because like the fact that he didn't play all year and like he was out for so long with that foot injury that I, I feel like he's not gonna have a ton of like high level interest. But he, if he's able to get back to that player that he was, like he could be like a big steal for somebody because he's he's an absolute bucket, bro. If he's healthy, like he's a really good scorer. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's just there's a lot of good. There is some good guys on like, like it's not like a oh my god, I can, we need to get this like unrestricted free agent. But there's like there's a, a decent exactly yeah. I think Zach Levine is the one. Like Zach Levine, I think is like basically the only like all star caliber like unrestricted. But Levine's uh, unrestricted. Yeah, yeah, Levine's unrestricted. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been in the league eight years now. Yeah. I thought the Bulls could have matched his contract for the longest time. Wow. No, that was uh, they matched. Do you remember the Kings offered Levine a deal like hey. his last contract? The Bulls matched that one. Yeah, we're old, man. We're getting old. I know, dude. Yeah, someone someone said in the chat, I forget who it was. I think it was Feed, but he was like, "Oh, this is going to be Zach Levine's ninth year in the league next year. That's insane." Bro, Zach remember, Levine remember he used to be a dunker, man. Like, I remember, that dude, like, yeah, like he was at UCLA a decade ago. Like, yeah, we're old, man. We're old. Yeah. 
Um, where do you think the team like, – where do you think uh, Nurkic goes? He's – I thought he, he was on his last year this year, no? Oh, he's unrestricted this year. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, he probably comes back to Portland, I would think, just because, like, you look – like, there's only a handful of teams that need a center. Like, you think of, like, the Hornets, but, like, he wouldn't be a good fit on the Hornets. Um, I don't know, man. Like, unless he wants to, like, take a small role, like, latching onto a contender, like a minimum, I think he just comes back to Portland. I think it's his best fit. I think too. And then there's like, there's two more that I like Malik Monk. Yeah. Malik Monk. Let's talk about Malik Monk. I think he's super interesting. Um, I think the Lakers have a lot of interest in bringing him back just because, you know, they don't have, they have a lot of options in terms of yeah. like boosting the roster. But um, I, I do think that like for the mid-level exception ish, that he could be a, a pretty nice addition for a lot of teams. Yeah. It depends. Like, do you think he's going to get a mid-level or do you think he's going to get more? I think he's going to get more. Well, what is it? the mid level? Is what nine and a half, nine point six, something like that? The full yeah, mid level. Is there two mid levels or no? There's yeah. There okay. Well, there's there's like the taxpayer mid level. Yeah. Which is like for teams of luxury tax, and then there's like the full mid level. Okay, and yeah, I forget I, what I, the exact amounts are, and they also change year to year. But it's like roughly nine mil, and then like roughly five mil, I think. I know Birch is like five point six or six point. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the taxpayer MLE. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So then yeah. I think, yeah, I think a full mid-level exception. I think yeah, I think like a, a – over pay for him. That's my prediction. Like, you know, you said Pistons uh, go to Brunson. Or yeah. Brunson with the Pistons. I can see Malik playing uh, the two in Detroit for like a, like a three-year $40 million deal or something. Like, that. like I can see them overpaying to have a shooter beside Cade and just make the – like makes it a little bit easier for them because they don't really have a two-guard right there right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and like – they got to figure out. Yeah, just a quick note on the Pistons. They got to figure out what they're doing with like the Killian Hayes thing because he clearly has not been as good as they hoped for the seventh pick in the draft. Um, not nearly as good as I hoped because I thought he was going to be really good. Um, okay. but they do seem to still value him. Like he, they, he does still seem to be like part of the future. And it's like, six guard, I think that's that's. Yeah, I, yeah, that's where I was going. It's like they they play all them a lot together, and I think it can work for certain things. Like they do kind of complement each other well, but. It's not a lot of athleticism for your backcourt in the NBA. So, yeah, I think Killian is a six-man court. They got to find someone else that could play, like, off-ball with Cade. Yeah. I like Malik Monk for that role. Uh, three, for, You said, what, three for 40? I think that's probably a little juicy. It honestly. is. It like, is juicy. It is juicy. But I could, I could just see, like, I could, I don't know, the class isn't the greatest, and I can just see teams being a little, like, a team like San Diego. Yeah, team. yeah, the market, yeah, the market will always. Pistons. The Knicks teams who were desperate for to add some talent are willing to overpay by two, three million. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're off, if everyone's all like, for example, if the Spurs and like the Knicks are offering the same ML, like the mid-level exception is like another team. Like, what what kind of say do they have in that? Right. So I mean, that'll be different. What do you think Simons is getting? Simons, well, I don't know. If I'm being honest, dude, like every time I think about the Blazers, like People want to have discussions about the Blazers. They're like, oh, how are they going to build around Dame? What are they going to do? Like, I'm still in the mindset of, like, they should be trading Dame and just, like, rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like, they they traded CJ. They traded uh, Covington and Norm Powell. Basically got a whole bunch of – like, a Josh Hart and a whole bunch of nothing back. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, I would be bringing back Simons regardless of what they're going to do with Dame because he's just so young and he just showed so much this season. Mm-hmm. But I like I'm still in the mindset of like they should be trading Dame and then just like be bad with Simon, like give Simon's hella usage next year, just be bad, try to draft like Victor Wamanyama or something. Like that seems like, but yeah, they're not gonna do that. So I think Simons does come back. He probably gets, I don't know, maybe like a four for 75, like 18 to 20 a year, something like that. Because 
like like if Brunson's going to be in like the 22 to 25 range, which seems like that's what his market's going to be. I don't think Simon's going to be that high uh, because even though he's, he's a little bit younger, um, I just don't think he's as good as him. Um, so I think like the 18 to 20 mil range, for, but he probably gets like a four year deal. I would think. Yeah, that's, that's what I would think. Something like that. I think you could get like either, I think it's almost like a Gary Trent type of deal. Maybe. What does he have? Like four for 90. Yeah, it's about eight, I think he's making the 18.75, like 75. Oh, so million. like four for like 72-ish. Like I don't think I don't think Simon's – it's so hard, man. Like if Simon's plays like that, he's a $25 million player, even higher. Maybe. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's and tough to know. Games, like you don't know, man. People can just like – it's different when like, okay, you're the number one option or, okay, guys, we're just throwing eight guys out there. Everyone's hurt like – Right. Name for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, yeah. To put up the numbers he put up, like you have to be of a certain skill level, right? Like it's not just like anyone in the NBA can do that with the minutes. Like it's not just a given. But yeah, it's also not the same as like, like I saw a bunch of people, I saw a couple of different people who were like comparing what Simons did during that stretch of the season compared to like Prime Dame. And like not just like the, the box score numbers, like you look at like the drives per game, like the percentage of shots from each area on the floor, like it was very similar. But, like, there's a big difference between doing what Dame does in a regular season, like competing for the three seed versus, like, being on a team with zero expectations, zero goals, anything, and, like, you're just going out there every night and just yeah, playing ball. Like, like 140 to 120. You know yeah, I mean? right. Like, it, it's just not the same. So, like, Simons is definitely really talented, definitely, like, way better than I ever thought because I never really saw it with him. And then this year he really broke out. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think the 26 points per game that he had, like, during that stretch last this season is sustainable. I don't think that's, like, who he is. Yeah, that's like me. And then, yeah, one last free agent, like Colin Sexton. I feel like people forget about him. Oh, that's a good one, man. That's a that's a good one. Yeah, that's someone that, yeah, is going completely off of everyone's radar because, like, you know, he goes down so early in the season and then the Cavs are still so good without him. Like, yeah, everyone's just forgotten about Sexton, man. They paid Levert, too. Like, they, like they're going to have to pay Garland eventually. Like, yeah. Probably, like, they're going to have to pay some dudes, man. Yeah, I, I understood the trade. Like, it made perfect sense when it happened, but I don't yeah. think Levert is good for them, man. No, and I'm a big so. man. He played fucking horrible, man. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm he he's just such a like not a ball stopper because he will make passes, but whenever the ball goes to him, it's just like a black hole, dude. I like, agree. Yeah, bro. He I remember I posted like very early in the season. It was like after like ten games. It was like I posted like the stat leaders, and Karis Levert was like ninth in usage. And like part of my caption was like, "Oh, some of these things won't sustain themselves. Like it's early." And I mentioned that he ended the season like with one of the highest usage rates. Like he he holds the ball, bro. He does. He does hold the ball. I think that honestly, like this is sad, but like he's gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like best I've ever seen him. And like I became a big fan of him. Like when we swept the nets in the bubble. Yes. Was he was like, so good in that series, bro. He was so damn good. You, you know what he reminded me of in that series? He reminded me of a Halliburton, like Halliburton, the way he moved the ball. Yeah. 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 He's not even a point guard. So I'm like, Dude, Nurse is throwing a box and one at this guy, and he's averaging 14 assists and making it look like yeah, his passing in that series was ridiculous. And now I just feel like just like the tunnel vision, like it's yeah, it's really bad. I don't know if it's because of the role or what, but like, yeah, that'll yeah, he he was like that before getting traded to Cleveland, too. I think honestly, I think they should let him walk. Um, and with Sexton, like it's clearly not the right fit, you know, like they could like could if they really wanted to make it work with him and Garland, but it's not the ideal fit, like it's just not the way they should really be building out the roster. I think if they're lucky, they'll like sign and trade him somewhere and get like you know, maybe like a future first or something. D'Lo but... would be nice beside uh, Garland, actually. Who? D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo. Yes. Hell no. D'Lo would be good next to nobody because he's terrible. 
Well, D'Lo, I've never seen. No, hold on. I need to just make this point about D'Lo. I've never seen someone be so good at the difficult stuff, yet so terrible at the simple stuff. Like he'll make like a nasty step back three or like make a good defensive play because for some reason he was like actually good on defense this year. But then like Cat will have made three straight threes and then D'Lo will like just ISO and just take a three with 18 seconds left on the clock. Like he just does some of the dumbest things ever. No, D'Lo, D'Lo would not be good on any good team because he's a terrible decision maker. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do because I don't think Sexton – like, I don't know. No, like, I don't think – yeah, I don't think Sexton's – Sexton's think, clearly not a great fit. It's just too small. Like, it's just too small. You can't have those two guys as your backcourt. It's not going to work. Yeah, and then one last thing, bro. Like, I wonder – like, I, the Lakers' success next season depends on what the veteran mindset is of like these free agents. Like if they, if some of these fuckers take the minimum, like Joe Ingles and like now oh, Gary Harris and like Montrez Harrell, like just like, I actually, yeah, see, I don't know if there's a ton of interest though. Are, are vets going to be interested in I don't think so. Don't chasing think so. with the Lakers? No, I know I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm hoping it's not the case, but I really hope like it doesn't turn out that way. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I'll be honest. Like, what's Joe Ingles like, going to get? Like he's a pretty solid player. I think I think there's potential for Joe Ingles to go play in the NBL next year because he tore his ACL in what December? Yeah. It was into the season, right? So like he probably won't be available for the start of next NBA season. And he's like 36 at this point, dude. I would not be surprised if he didn't if he doesn't come back. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Um we'll see though. Okay, wait, 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 one more, one more, one more. All right, okay. <laughs> All right. One more. I'm sorry, I'm just having fun looking at this list here because I forgot how many phrases we got. Uh Okay, there's there's two. Bobby Portis is he leaving if they win a championship? Mm, I think I don't know, man. It seems like he loves it there. Milwaukee obviously yeah. loves him. Feels like it feels like he's just gonna stay. Feels like he's just kind of found his home. The fact that he re-signed for such a discount after last year makes me think he's probably staying. Yeah, and then last one. I mean, with Orlando having the emergence of WCJ and probably a top three like a chat coming or a Jabari Smith is uh, Mo Bamba gone. Is Mo Bamba gone? Uh, RFA. And then you're probably going to have a, a log jam at the front court. Yeah, probably. Um, it would come down to who they draft. If they end up like – I don't I don't know. If they took Jaden Ivey, that would be a mistake just because of how many guards they have. But, yeah, assuming they end up with like one of those forwards or one of those bigs, yeah, Bamba's probably out because – I mean, they played him with Wendell Carter a decent amount this season. Um, but I don't know if that's like a long-term thing, and I do think Wendell's better. So – yeah, Bamba's probably gone. Like, he probably goes to, like, OKC or something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Someone... I, I like Mo Bamba, honestly. Like, I was really high on him coming into the league because he looked like an absolute specimen at Texas. And then, obviously, and like, wasn't, wasn't great coming into the league. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got too popular off that song. But um, I'm kind of back in on him, dude. Like, he, he had a pretty decent season. Like, he can shoot the ball pretty well. Obviously, like, with his long arms, he could protect the rim. Um, I think he's pretty solid. Like, I'm kind of back in on him. So I think I think he could he could be a decent free agent. You got another one. I can see it on your face. You got another oh, last one. one. Last one. Last one. <laughs> All right, we I gotta get the people out of here, bro. I want people to actually listen to this. This is the last one I want to talk about. This is the one I wanted to talk about. All right. Lonnie Walker. You think he's staying or leaving? Ooh, that's an interesting one. That's a deep pull. Lonnie Walker is interesting, dude, because he'll like you'll like forget he exists for like two months, and then he'll just have back to back games of like twenty seven points or some shit like that. Like he'll just randomly like pop off. Anytime I talk to a Spurs fan about him, they're like, man, he's so good. And then all of a sudden he's just not like, he's just inconsistent. But I think, uh, I think there's, there's such a log jam, even after the Derek white trade, like there's just such a log jam of like guards and wings on the Spurs that I wouldn't be surprised if they let him go. Um, 
but I will definitely be interested to see like what his value is going to be because like he could very easily just end up getting like a minimum somewhere, but he definitely has potential. Like he he's really good when he's at his best, man. So I don't know. I, I if I had to bet on one, I say it's more like he leaves than stays. Yeah. Um, but like I don't know, I couldn't tell you where I think he's going. Yeah, it'll be a good free agent class, man. I'm glad we did that because I didn't like. Yeah, was- yeah, like, yeah. Like not not a ton of unless. Do you think Zach Levine? Let's talk about Zach Levine actually the closest. Do you think there's any chance he leaves? That tweet was a little weird the way he said it, but like. Yeah, like there's been weird quotes and like there's not a ton of evidence to suggest that he would want to leave. But like, yeah, the way like like they were asking him about it last summer, and he was like, "Oh, I just want my respect, man." It's just weird. It's like, yeah, some of the quotes have just been kind of weird. Does, like, do him and Demar like each other or no? Like, I feel like, I don't know. Maybe it's just like they seem like they do. Something seems off at times. You know what I mean? Yeah, something does. Like, yeah, like there's no real like there's nothing I can point to to be like, oh, they don't like each other. But something does feel just like a tiny smidge off. But the, I mean, the fact that like they they like coexisted so well on the court together. Like, I think Levine. It's like, like, I think he's content with like how the rosters yeah. and things like that. Like, yeah, but it does seem weird. Like DeJounte, like DeJounte Murray didn't tweet out that picture of Zach Levine photoshopped in the Spurs jersey just cause, you know what I mean? Like he, he knows a little bit, like, you know, he didn't tweet that out. Uh, like he wouldn't have done that if the, he knew there was no possibility of him leaving. Right. Like he definitely has got to know that like Zach Levine's weighing his options, at least, you know, like it's definitely a possibility, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I, I yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't know, maybe, maybe Zach's pissed off with his usage rate, but like, unless you want to win, like if you want to win the game. Yeah, right. I think, no, I think he knew after last season, like, I think he knows he can't have that usage rate and still be. I was looking here. He's been 31, 32, 31, yeah. and he dropped 28. So, I mean, like, yeah. I, mean, I think great. it's good for him though. I think that's good. Yeah, he's better winning. Plus he's better yeah. off the ball. Exactly. All right. I think, I think that's a good pl- place to end. Uh, I don't want to go too long. I want people to actually check this out. So yeah, that'll do it for this episode, Carter. Thank you for coming on, man. Everyone make sure that you follow Carter on Instagram at Trey talks, T R A Y. Um, great content over there. He's making a little bit of a comeback. Finally. Love to see it. Um, yes. Make sure you guys give him a follow. Thank you guys for listening. Do all the algorithm stuff, follow, like subscribe, share with your friends, the whole deal. And I will be back. Uh, I'll probably be back at the end of the second round. I think I'll do uh, like a recap of the second round. I'll pro- Carter will pro- yeah, it'll probably be with Carter. It'll probably be with with, uh, with Zach or Nick, somebody, someone from Talking Hoops. Yeah. Um, again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll do it for this episode.